0: We are looking tonight at Satan accuses believers. And so, has anybody ever accused you of doing something that you didn't do? Yes. Yeah. You know, sometimes it happens. Though. Most of the time when I got accused of something, it's because I did do something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's never usually it was very seldom anything that I didn't do. It wasn't that somebody made up something told a lie. Usually it's was something that I really did do. And so, anyway. But it goes the other way also, does it? But also sometimes... We just get accused of not being who we say we are. We might say, uh, "I'm going to make an A on this test." Somebody might come along and say, "No, you're not. You made a C last time. Why would you make an A this time?" You know, that's an accusation. Sometimes we may say, sometimes we may say we're going to do something. You know, put a plan out there, something in our future. We're going to do this, and somebody might come along and say, "No, you're not." You can't do that. You'll never accomplish that. You'll never be that. You know who you are. and Or we may go, say we're going to go somewhere. We're going to just accomplish something in life. And somebody will come on. No, you can't. You're not. And all that. That's accusations. And so not only do people do that to us, but Satan will do it to us also. And we're going to look at that as we go through tonight. But the word accuse. make sure we understand what it means, is to respond to what somebody has said. Somebody has said something or we have said something and then somebody responds to that. No, you can't. No, you aren't. You're this. You're that. You'll never accomplish that. Or it's to react and to question what was said. Somebody reacts to it and somebody questions about what we said. You sure that's right? You sure about that? You sure that's true? It means to give an account of what we said. Somebody says, prove it. You're saying this. You say you're going to do this. You're thinking this. Prove it to me. Just show me. And so all of that is part of that accusation that comes to us sometimes emotionally, spiritually, physically, or any other kind of way. Maybe something that we're doing in our life, something we want to do in our life, something we've done in our life, and all these things begin to come to us. Well, Satan desires to respond to what God says about us. If you had to break it down in just one kind of simple statement as a whole, what is it that God says about us? Do you know? Just a general, you can't hardly put it all from Genesis to Revelation in one statement, but how does God feel about us or what does God say about us? He loves us. He made us in His image. Yeah, made us in, in in His image. He loves us. Okay. What else does God? have? Anything God says about? Through His Son, we, we have freedom from sin. Okay. Yeah. He died on the cross for our sins. Amen. Yeah. Desire not Yeah. the Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. He our, our relationships with Him. Yeah. So all of those things you know that God says about us who we are in Christ, who we are as his creation, who we are as a child of God, and all those type, sort of things. Well, Satan desires to respond to what God says about us. If God says he loves us, has compassion for us. We're his son in Christ, we're a child of God in Christ, we're saved, we're born again, Jesus died for our sins, all those kind of things that you know and that you've already said. Satan desires to respond to that. What God says about us, he wants to wrap to him and then call into question what God says and give his own account of what he believes about us. So God says all these things about us. I love you, you're my child, I must die for you, and all those things you're saying, compassion, love. Satan says, no, God. God doesn't love you like that. God doesn't provide for you like that. God doesn't want that for you. And so he begins to accuse us in front of God, saying, you're not that. And here's the problem. You got the handout a couple of weeks ago in particular. We often begin to believe a lie about our own self. Because we've heard it since we were children. And we grew up in some stuff and things happen along our way. And we begin to believe a lie. So when he comes along and says that you are uh, you're condemned, you're confused, you're defeated, you're defenseless, you're uh, frustrated, you're uh, dominated, you're embarrassed, you're what? Worthless. Worthless. That's there too. You're, you're useless, you're rejected, and ruined, and all those words that are on here. If we hear those words growing up, we go through some things growing up where we encounter these things, it begins to get into our mind, and our heart, and we begin to believe the lie. And so we begin to live that way, and we begin to experience some things in our life that Satan says, See there, look what just happened, look what you went through, look what they said about you. And so we have to begin to believe the truth, what God says, but Satan comes along and says, you don't need to believe that. You need to believe the lie. It's what you've always heard. And so here we go. And so Satan responds to what God says about us. And let's look at this. Let, let's kind of get some real parts of it here. First John chapter three verse one. How great is the love the Father's lavished on us? So already we what you've already said. God says, "I love you." Look how my love is lavished on you. It's presented to you. It's given to you. That we should be called children of God. What a great thing to be called a child of God. God's love comes out to us so great that He says, you're my children. That is what you are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. And so when God says we're a child of God, we're His children, that's what we are, and He's shown us through Jesus, we have to believe that. It's true. He says, and that's what you are. And if God's Word is true and it is, then when He says that's what you are, then we are. But Satan wants to come along and says, no you're not. If you're a child of God, why are you acting like that? If you're a child of God, why are you talking like that? If you're a child of God, why don't you go there? If you're a child of God, why don't you do... You know, all these kind of things. He begins to accuse us and throw these things out there. And we begin to think, <coughs> <coughs> maybe he's right. Maybe all these things that it says on this list here, but I'm not what God says I am. And so we begin to toss it around our heads. And we begin to get be confused. But it goes on in verse 2. Dear friends, talking to the Christians then, the Christians now... Now, we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. There's more to being a child of God than just right now. You know, everybody in this room at one time was a two-year-old. Everybody in here is a two-year-old, aren't you? Yes, sir. And so if you were a two-year-old, you know what we say about as parents? Say about two-year-olds or something? Terrible to Terrible. 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 Terrible you. Can you believe you're a terrible two year old? I can. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Some are saying, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. you know, yeah. them. You can go to the dictionary and say, I find terrible two, and you'll find a picture there, that kind of thing. You know. And so, my love you went there. So, anyway, the <laughs> rest of the But what we're saying about a child of God is when we're born again, we're starting new, York. we're starting fresh and uh, a new life in Christ. And so now we're a child of God, a small, young, immature child of God, born again, and now we're growing. We're maturing day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year we're becoming more like Jesus. And so what we will be has not yet been made known. And so there's that two-year-old, the terrible twos, fits and fits, and super one, followed out on the floor and spinning around, you know, like they're a demon possessed or something. And there's mom just pushing the cart just moving on, thinking, you know, maybe that's not my child. and see, that's what it is with children. A two-year-old grew up to be me and you. And is growing up to be me and And so we become adults and we don't, we're not the terrible twos anymore. And some kind of Christianity, what we were like when we were born again, just coming out of a lost situation, a lost life, a life filled with sin maybe, a life filled with not knowing God, obeying God, all that. then we're growing. One day at a time becoming more like Jesus. And so What we're going to be hadn't been made known yet. It's like the two year old. Now we're adults. Same thing spiritually. And so, but we know that when He appears, Jesus, we're going to be like like Him. For We shall see Him as He is. And so, if Jesus were to come back today, He appeared in the sky today and took us to be with Him today, would we be like Him today? See, that's what we should be. Because we're becoming more like Jesus every day from the time we're born again, to day by day. We're growing, we're mature, we're becoming more like Him. We're born again back here. But now we're just adding God's qualities, God's characteristics, God's personalities, His ways, His will, and we're becoming more like Him every day. Aren't we? So if He came back today, but we know that when He appears, we'll be like Him. For we should see Him as He is. That's us, isn't it? Well, everyone who has this hope in Him, purifies himself just to see us pure so what's the hope when, but when we but we know that when he appears we'll be like him for we shall see him as he is, there's a hope to be just like Jesus so we should like Jesus what we have to do <clears throat> sometimes in our life is purify ourselves there's things in our life that are called impurities we're not fully pure with some things in our life that we've brought out of that lost life and now we need to be able to get rid of those repent of those, put them away, put them down however you want to describe it and day by day again, we're just purifying ourselves. Everyone has this hope in Him purifies himself as He is pure. There's our goal, isn't it? To become like Jesus in our pure life. So, here's some things God says about us. Just on those three verses right there, First John. He says He loves us. He shows His love for us. We're His child. We're His friend. We're becoming more like Jesus. We're becoming purer in our life. And so those are things God says, you're doing all that. And so tonight... We are doing these things, aren't we? Mm -hmm. So, here we go. How does our accuser respond to what God says to us or about us and react to it? God says this about us. All these things right here. And that's just three verses in the Bible. If we kept going, the list just keeps getting longer and longer what God says about us. We're taking these three verses only for the moment. So here's what God says to us or about us, but how does the accuser respond to that and say to us and react to us about that? Here we go.
1: Revelation 12, 7.
0: Here's the accuser. Here's what he does. There's war in heaven. Michael and his angel fought against the dragon, Satan, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So there's a big war in heaven. But he was not strong enough, the dragon, and they lost their place in heaven. So... Uh, Uh, Satan was under attack there was a big battle Michael and his angels Satan and his angels and Satan wasn't strong enough so they lost their place in heaven the great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him Satan was not hurled into hell Satan's not in hell he hadn't been in hell I heard not yet (laughs) He will be one day. There will come that day that God will take him by his dragon's tail if you want to, and sling him into hell if you want that kind of visual in your mind. But he's not there yet. Where is he? Right here on earth. Right where we live. In our homes, in our places of business, in our schools, in Super 1, Walmart, wherever you may go. In the world, that's where he is. Just roaming, as Peter says, roaming to and fro, back and forth, as Job says also seeking who he may devour. and So he's just prowling around like a roaring lion and looking for someone to devour. So he's in the earth around where we live and go to school and all the rest. So he's here with us. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, you know, for the moment we would say, oh, (laughs) what are we going to do? Satan lives in the world where I live, in our homes, in our places of business, in our schools, in our country, in our nation, wherever it is. Really? He does that? He's, he's here? But wait, they heard a loud voice in heaven say, a loud voice in heaven say, now have come to the salvation of the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. The authority of his Christ. For the accuser, Satan, the great dragon, the devil, the Satan that's thrown to the earth. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. <coughs> so God simply saying this accuser it's to hurl down to earth in which we live. He's accusing us before our God day and It's then hurl down wait a minute the authority of his Christ salvation power kingdom of God authority of Christ and then verse 11 here's a good one. They those that are salvage has been saved power of the kingdom of God authority of Christ Those that are serving God, obedient to God, born again, say they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of testimony. So here we are as Christians, knowing that God says this about us. Loves and shows love for his child or his friend, becoming more like Jesus, becoming pure. Then Satan comes along, he's the accuser been hurled down to earth accusing us no he's not, he doesn't love you, you're not his friend, you're not a child of God, saying all those kind of things to us, how are we going to overcome that if Satan is coming around with all these emotional pain words we've looked at in the past, we'll continue to look at and try to say us try to tell us to believe a lie that we should be angry, we ought to be angry we have a right to be angry, we're always wrong uh, we're just uh, belittled, we're betrayed, we're just mistreated, we're misunderstood, all those kind of things. Satan comes along and says all that about us. How do we overcome that? I know what God says. We read His Word and say, well, here's three verses. says all this about how God feels about me. But I just feel sometimes this. What am I going to do? (laughs) Glad you asked. There it is. We overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb blood of the lamb is the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus was our sacrificial lamb. When Jesus came into the world, came in as a sacrificial lamb for us. Because see, the Bible says we're sinners. We're born sinners. Why does that two-year-old spin around on the floor and fits and cry hotter and all that sort of thing? Because he's a sinner or she's a sinner. And so they have to be taught how to do the right things and how to live the right way and to be saved to be born again in order for that to change Just like with any of us. And so Jesus says, you know what, I love you and I don't want you to die and go to hell. I don't want you to be separated from my Father in heaven. I want you to come to heaven with me. I don't want you to go to hell with the devil. And so he says, I'm going to come into the world as your sacrificial lamb. I'm going to die for your sins because as sinners, we're going to die in our sins otherwise. And a sacrifice has to be made for us and that was Jesus. Jesus. His blood is shed on the cross for our sins to forgive us and cleanse us and purify us from our unrighteousness. And as we believe that, as we take Jesus into our heart through the Holy Spirit, then He begins to do the work within us through the Holy Spirit to make us who He wants us to be. So we overcome the accuser, all the stuff here, pain words, these emotional things, we overcome Him through the blood of the Lamb is one way. Being born again, being saved, receiving Jesus, okay? There's a second one. It goes with that. By the word of their testimony. Tonight, if you're born again, if you're saved, you have a testimony. You have a testimony that says something like this. There's just three parts to the testimony. It can be real short and real simple. But the first part is, what was my life before I got saved? Before I was born again, what was my life like? You know, and you describe what your life was like, whatever that was. And then the second part to my testimony is how did I know I needed Jesus? Second part. Here I am before I got saved, here's what my life was like. Here's how I knew I needed Jesus to save me, to rescue me from my life before I got saved. And then the third part is what is my life like now since I got saved? See how the three parts, it's simple, everybody's different. You know, yours may be, I was a seven year old boy or girl in Sunday school, been taking church all my life since so I was well, a baby. And finally, in Sunday school, one day I told my teacher, I, I need to be saved because you've been teaching me about Jesus since so I was three, as far as I remember. You know, all that. And you told the preacher, and the preacher said, Well, let's take you up front and, and let everybody know you got saved. And that, you know, all that. That may be it for others like me. You know, I testimony well enough that. I wasn't that seven-year-old boy that said, I need to tell my son's school teacher, I need to you. What do you anything like that at all. I wouldn't say until I was 19. I uh, lived a awful, terrible life. And so, that's our testimony. Though. And, and so you have a testimony tonight, don't you? That you could tell somebody. Just share with me in three minutes. What was my life like before I had to How did I know I needed Jesus? What was my life like since I got saved? Simple and easy, That's what you're able to tell people. Sometimes we're afraid of evangelism or afraid of uh, testifying to others about God, church, or Bible, or church, you know, or anything about salvation. I don't know what I'm going to say. What if I say the wrong thing? What if they ask me some scripture? I don't know enough scripture to even tell them, you know, about anything. Yeah, three parts to a testimony. My life before I got saved, I know you, Jesus. My life's life since I met Jesus. You're done. And you just share that with people and you help them to understand about yourself how you came to know Jesus and how they can know Jesus the same way. And so there's our testimony. So how do we overcome these accusations? How do we overcome Satan coming at us with these things about accusations when we know who we are in Christ based on those three verses we read a while ago? What do we do? Blood of blame. Be saved first. Be born again. Be in the kingdom of God. Secondly, you have got a testimony. Because we're able to say, wait a minute. I'm not empty. Satan comes to me and says, I'm empty. Because of what's my life, what my life is like at the moment. Wait a minute, I'm not empty. Before I got saved, yeah, I was empty. I didn't have Jesus. How did I know I needed Jesus? Because I was empty. But I knew I needed Jesus because He fill me up with the Holy Spirit. And now since I got saved, I'm not empty anymore. I've got the Holy Spirit living in me. I'm saved and born again and I'm serving Him. And that's all there is to it then, you see. That's how we overcome, have victory over those accusations that come to us from Satan through Jesus on the cross and the word of our testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Meaning that if what I need to do to serve God through being born again and having my testimony leads <coughs> to my death, so be it. We have to be sold out, committed to Jesus, all the way to the point of death, if that's what it requires. Well, in John 16 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you've had trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So he says, We overcome the world through the blood of the Lamb, or the testimony. And Jesus said, I'm an overcomer. We can be an overcomer. Any of those things that you may have looked at on those charts that we had, emotional pain words, if you're any, any of those, have any of those, we overcome any other. As Jesus said we could through that relationship with Him. Well, we're Revelation 12. Therefore rejoice. Rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them but woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury, not furry because he knows that his time is short. <laughs> Satan knows his time is short. What is his time? The time from now till at least the moment and He knows his time is short. He knows his time is near, and he says, "I want to take just as many as I can in this world with me to hell." And those that have lost their souls—they're already going to heaven. I've already know I've lost them. I don't—I just want to make their life miserable, keep them upset, keep them distraught, keep them down, keep them—all of these things right here that I can. And then they're not useful to God. They can't serve God. They can't do anything for Him. They're always a, got all this going on in their life. And so there's where our victory comes. Well, let's take Job. Job chapter 1. Accusing. You know the story well. And the Lord said to Satan, consider my servant Job. My servant. God's servant. Job. There's no one on their plot. I mean, you want to start preparing Job to other people in the world? You can't do it. He's above the rest. He's blameless. You want to find us to blame in Job? You can't find it. You want to blame Job for something wrong? Like can't do it. Uh, he's upright. He's always doing the right thing. I mean, he just looks in his life, looks in the lives of other people. He's doing the right thing. He fears me. He fears God, he says. And not only that, but he shuns evil. That's evil. I'm getting away from it. So he's saying to Satan, There's my servant Job. Here's how I feel about Job. Nobody liked him. Blameless, upright, fears God, shuns evil. There's his testimony toward Job. Well, then Satan says, I'm going to accuse him. I don't, I don't believe that, God. Does Job fear God for nothing, Sacred Does Job just walk around in a day's time and say, I stand in awe of God? I stand with God being so majestic. I stand with God being so holy and real in my life. That's just who God is in my life. Does he really do that just for nothing, just because that's the way he feels about you, God? In fact, God, here's why he does. Here's why he is. There's no one on earth like him. Here's why He's blameless and upright and fears you and shuns evil. Here's why He does that, God. You've put a hedge around Him and His household and everything He has. You're totally protecting Him from anything that goes wrong in His life. He's got ten children. He's got wealth. He's got servants. He's got crops. He's got animals. I mean, He is so blessed, God. And the only reason He serves you and is obedient and blameless and upright and fears you and shuns evil... It's because you put a head around and protect him from everything that comes his way. Why wouldn't he serve you? You bless the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds spread throughout the land. See the accusation? And then he says, but. <laughs> Stretch out your hand, God. and Strike everything he's got and he'll curse you to his face. See the accusation? See how that works in our life? God, uh, Satan says to us, you're, you're some of this stuff here on this, this sheet. You know, you're not listened to. You don't measure up. You're not valued. You're, you're powerless. You're, you're unnoticed. You're unprotected. You're humiliated. You're all those words or any of those, or some of those words. And the reason you're that way because God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. God doesn't bless you. In fact, go this route, you'll just turn your back on God. And so... Tonight, then, are we overcoming Satan's accusations against us? See, we don't have to go in the rest of the story. We know the rest of the story. In all those troubles came, all those hardships came, all those disastrous things happened in his life. All ten children were killed in one day. Lost his crops, lost his uh, servants, lost his herds, just wealth. It's gone. He's got nothing but his wife. And she's telling him, just curse God and die. You know, so. But he's got his wife. And uh, yet we know the rest of the story. He still served God. When all that happened, the first thing he did was fall down and worship God. That was it. Didn't get mad at God. Didn't get angry. Didn't shake a fist at Him. Didn't cuss. Didn't fuss. Didn't throw things. Didn't hit his wife. Didn't kick it off. Didn't do anything. Just fell to the ground worship God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can't hear, Can hear, Can hear, Can hear nothing? And so that's us, isn't it? When hard times come into our life, accusations come to us from Satan, you're this, you're that, you're not this, you're not that. We overcome that, don't we? Through the blood of the Lamb being saved. Our <coughs> I know what my life was like before that saved. I know how I needed Jesus, why I needed Jesus, how I met Jesus, and I know what my life's like since I met Jesus. We're there in this part tonight. Actually, we? i an this week.